All the time. How many believe God is good? Amen. What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. I'm blessed and honored to be here this morning. And I'm delighted and grateful for Pastor Steve and the leadership to extend the invitation. I'm always joyful to be in a worship service. That's the place where people from different kind of social class can meet and worship all one king. Where those who are educated and not educated, those who have money don't have money, those who have social class or well-connected, but a place the family of God can meet together to worship the king of kings. That's why always, I always be delighted to be in the worship service. Maybe some will not uh, understand my accent. I'm not the first. The disciple of Jesus, even Peter, has an accent. Maybe Pastor Steve, when he went to be a missionary in Africa, when he speaks, even if he knows to speak Swahili, he has an accent. <laughs> if I have an accent, it's not my problem. Don't blame that on me. Blame that on God. <laughs> Amen? That's why I'm missing one part. Knows this one? Nope. Before that one. Maybe something will be wrong. But we have a notice here for all of us. I'm not perfect, you are not perfect. Maybe my English will not sound good in your ear. But I want to warn you, this department requires no fitness program. Where everyone gets enough exercise jumping to conclusions, flying off handles, running down the boss or the pastor, knifing friend in the back, Dodging responsibility or try to push their luck. This place is a place, the house of King Jesus, where people come with their witnesses, where people can come with their failure, where people can come with their strength. And all our Father is able to say, Welcome home, my children. We are living now in the days, those days 
like never before. A day of change of social system. Maybe a day you are facing a challenges you never see before. But we need to know whatever you are going through or I'm going through or what is happening. My subject, please. No matter what we go through and all the situation, we need to know and to remember that Yahweh is just in a mix of injustice. That's our subject we are going to share this morning. And we are going to unpack that in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to quote two lines or two verses from that book that the old order of things has passed away. I'm making everything new. Maybe you used to leave yourself without some people who don't have accent around you. The Lord is making everything new. I thank God for John. John was isolated himself in his island of Patmos because of speaking the truth for, to the power. For sharing the gospel, they put him in the boiling oil. He didn't die. And they decide that they are going to send him to reject him to put him outside where he will not have nobody to teach, where he will not have nobody to preach. They sent him to the island of Patmos, around 30 miles of southwest of Turkey. And Patmos is a Greek word. It means sterile, something that is not productive, something doesn't have Life. And they decided to put him where there is no life. They decided to put him where he will not have time to preach. Where he will not have time to share what we have in mind and in his heart to those who was in responsibility. Even if he was isolated in Iceland of Patmos, God visited him. Remember when you are isolated in your corner in a husband, nobody can talk to you. Jesus will be able to visit you. And Jesus visited him and said, I will wipe every tears from their eyes. God can't wipe the tears you didn't cry. I don't know how many tears you cry day and night. I don't know how many tears you have in your bedroom or your corner, silent corner. I don't know when you are driving how many tears or walking you can wipe. But God visited John and tell him, remind them that I will wipe all their tears away. 
because they will go to the new Jerusalem where the old order will be changed and everything will come new. We need to change our perspective and our mentality because change is coming. The old order is going away and Jesus is making everything new. There was a picture I forget I was supposed to show here. One time my children were going through my album. And they saw a picture because nowadays you can catch a picture. You don't need to close one eye. Our time... The photographer was taking the big room more than those they are taking the picture. And you will see him or her to take a picture will close one eye. And if you didn't close one eye, they will tell you you are not a, profe a professional. And when my wife was baptized and I told her, let's take a picture. But my picture that I took that time for my children is the old order. But for them, they want those new pictures without position. You know what position did I take? If you see that picture, you will think maybe I'm handicapped. Because if you can take a picture like this, at it, it our time, means not you are not a good person. You don't know nothing. But first you need, I put my wife's side, and I cut a rose on the garden of the pastor Mukwege, and I did one leg like this. <laughs> First, before the picture comes, you need to take a good po position. And I take the flower, I put her on her face. And my children saw the picture. They say, what is this? What happened to your leg? <laughs> I told them, the old order has passed away. And now everything is new. Before the photographer, before, can I use your phone? Before they take a picture, they will do like this and this, and they'll say, go, 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 go. But now they, for the new order, for the picture is like, tree, tree, tree. Why? Because the old order has passed away, and Jesus and our lives, things are getting new. In the mix of that, some people still sleeping in the old order. And I'm trying to ask our church at Bethel, not only Bethel, all nation family of churches, don't be sleeping at the time of social changes. The Lord is making everything new. The old order has passed away. The old order when people maybe in this room were singing themselves, holding the hymnal without even shaking some sugar has passed away. <laughs> maybe those who brought this hymnal was from Scandinavia, Norway, or Sweden. I was in Sweden, it was Independence Day, where people celebrate their king with joy. The happiest Swedish, you know what they were doing? I saw them uh, like this and only moving the big toe. <laughs> and in Congo, we are having the same problem when you go to some churches led by missionaries. If you can move, like an African, they will tell you that move is from the devil. You need to move like Swedish or 
Norwegian. They still sleeping in the old order, but Jesus said they are making everything new. The old order has passed, and I, Jesus, am making everything new. Amen? And I just talk about John. Poor John was isolated on Iceland. Not only John, I remember last year, Pastor Steve did in park Genesis 37 to 40. And to show how the world never been fair. And it will never be fair. Sometime when I, would, I talk to my children, they will tell me that is not fair. I will say, yes, it's not fair. The Lord never been fair. Joseph did everything right. But the world never been fair for Joseph. And as church, we are going to see today the three injustices toward Joseph and how as church can we do? What can we do together when injustice occurs? In the mix of injustice of Joseph, I'm not going to talk what Joseph went through because you guys know it and Pastor Steve and Andrew already explained about it. But they are, I saw three men and just it that occurred to Joseph, and that wasn't fair. But in the mix of that injustice, always God was with Joseph. We are not going to read Genesis, but you can go read home yourself. The first injustice was Joseph was obedient, but he was. If you can read 37, you will see how Joseph was able to be obedient to his father. He was obedient to his father. Whatever the father asked him to do, he did it without murmuring or complaining. Nowadays, we have our children, when we, as a parent, we can ask them to do this or clean the dishes, they will say, is not fair. In our days, back home in Africa, you will walk miles a day to go to school. Nowadays, you guys have a bus to pick you at your door, and you will say, is not fair. We were able to succeed in education after school. You will go to get water and to pick wool, to pick up woods for cook. But you home, they will ask you to clean dishes. You will say, is not fair. We didn't have nobody to help us to do assignment in the old order. We didn't have a computer or laptop. But nowadays you have a computer and laptop and after you will say is not fair. Joseph was able to be obedient to the parent because he has God in his life. 
When you have God in your life, you don't complain and murmuring. You show everything to God. He told his brothers, my brother, I have a dream. Don't tell your story. Sometimes you can tell everybody your vision. And that person will use what you said to, to smash you down. Though sometimes you can say the world is not fair for you. Imagine those were brother, same mother, same father. I had a vision. But what happened? Their brother were zealous to him. He was obedient to God. But he faced hatred. We need to understand that. You can be obedient. And something can get wrong in your life. You are not a failure. You didn't do nothing wrong. The world never been fair for, to Jesus. When he was here, the world wasn't fair to him. Until now, until he went to heaven, the world wasn't fair to him. Second... Joseph was honorable but slandered. At the beginning I said that Joseph did everything right. He did what they expected him to do and God what they expected to But even if he worked hard, where he was a slave, he worked hard. Sometimes when we are slandered, people get the discouraged. You say, what I'm doing? I'm doing everything right, but I'm slandered. But remember, remember God is always with you. He honored the God, but he was slandered. He served the, the, the servant Potiphar with integrity, but he was smeared. Anybody who wants to slander you, anybody who, don't, who doesn't like you, who don't like you, they will find any excuse to smear you. But don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Third, sometimes you can say, I'm the pastor. We have now bishops. Maybe tomorrow we'll have three shops. Because B means you are, bishop means, B means to write, B. If I say we have our meeting weekly, means we'll be having a meeting twice a month. Bishop means yourself, you are into two pastors, you are the B. Maybe... Three shop will come soon. When he was in jail, when he was in jail, if you can read Genesis 40, 23, he was used by God to interpret dreams. He helped other people. He was compassionate, but ignored. You can be compassionate to people, but you will find over and over you are ignored, 
Don't get discouraged. He was helpful. You know how he was picked back? Rudeness. Have you seen you are helpful for somebody and you will say, Oh my God, what did I do? I remember now she retired. At my work at Rome's County, we have a wonderful young lady. She was still living in the old order life. Everything everybody does is wrong. I was coming from the restroom. She was behind me. When I saw her coming, I held the door for her to be a gentleman. She said, leave that door. I didn't tell you to hold the door for me. <laughs> and myself, I say, what did I do? Maybe I will give another I was helpful, but no, no, I think it wasn't rudeness, but I would say sometimes you can be helpful, but other people will interpret in another way. One day I was traveling with Jim. He, I didn't tell you, but surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was traveling with Jim, and you know sometimes those international flights, people come with three, four, five cases. If you go the last, you not have a place to put your bag. But those who enter the first are those who have children. I saw an African young lady. She has two bags and the baby and the carry-on. I want to be a gentleman. I went to grab the baby. And I told her, we are family. <laughs> and I told Jim, come. Did you say no, you came too? <laughs> and after, you know what he said? He already sit. He went in early with that baby. I helped. So he get a good seat. And when he put it, he told me, I kidnapped the baby. <laughs> he said, I kidnapped the baby so I can go in the plane first. <laughs> so means he was complice of kidnapping. <laughs> he didn't say no. <laughs> and we went in the plane, we get the best seat, and we packed our bag and we arrived safely. No matter what happened, don't stop. Joseph was concerned about others, but they were never been loyal to him. They never been loyal to him. He was able to be concerned with other people's deeds, other people's affairs, but his deeds were forgotten. Imagine, I'm not going to take more time there. Somebody told him, when I get out of the prison, people are quick to give promises. Sometimes, as when you are in trouble, that is the time you remember to give God promises. God, if you help me from here, I will do so and so. But when you get out of that trouble, you forget. 
I think all of us who have been in that situation, most of us who, those who came from the other world, maybe after spending 10, 20 years in a refugee camp, and when you come here, you will say, God, when I go to, when I go to America, God, I will be going to church, I will be walking in your kingdom, I will be involved in the church. But when they go here, they have a car and a dollar. My goodness. You will never see them anymore. <laughs> With loud music. You forget there is matara. You give a promise. That if God, you help me from here, I will do so and so. But now you will start saying, is mine. Is my money. Is my car. You can't even give somebody a ride. In the mix of all those happened to Joseph is a situation we are living in now. It become part of our lives. People are getting rude and ruder. People are being not grateful. Whatever small things people do, remember to be thankful and grateful. Injustice is everywhere. But we need to know all those are happening in our families, in our churches, at our workplace, in our community, in our neighborhood. What are we going to do as Christians? As Christians, we are called to a special mission. We are called to be different. And when I said we are called to be different, my question is, is Jesus was a revolutionary? Jesus wasn't a revolutionary like Fidel Castro. Jesus wasn't a revolutionary like Saddam Hussein. Jesus, he wasn't a defender of establishment. People took Jesus revolutionary Jesus' revolutionary was different from the world, knows the revolutionary of Jesus. He called us to be peaceful. Remember in Matthew, Jesus said, bless you if you are a peacemaker. That's the revolutionary Jesus called us to do. He called us far more radical and long term. You can see people walking on the street with boards, doing revolution, burning houses, intimidating people. But it's not a long term. But Jesus' revolution was a long term 2,000 years ago. We're still part of that movement. That's what the church is called about. He didn't call us to destroy the system. The revolution of Jesus wasn't to destroy the system. 
It was to renew and to change people's minds so people can seize the opportunity to preach the gospel. And the church can't be part of any institution, any government that is trying to destroy the system. The system, as we are called, we need to respect. He didn't call, he didn't call us to create an utopia like ISIS. ISIS want to create caliphate. So they want to create their group so they can control the whole world. The church is not there to create a group or utopia that will be able to control others. He didn't promote institutions. He didn't promote Democrat. He didn't promote Republican. He didn't promote communist. He promoted his kingdom. And his kingdom when he promoted those who are not living in the old order. Because Jesus is making everything new. Because the old order has passed away. He asked his followers to obey the ruler. You remember when they want to... Uh, to Look away to accuse him. He has one in his disciple, that person was a revolutionary, Peter. He was a zealot. But he has also those who has in an institution like, how can you call Matthew, who was the tax collector? He's part of establishment. Jesus had those who was in establishment in his side, and he had those who were um, creating riot, who was opposing the Roman Empire. And here, one time, they asked him, is it okay to pay taxes? He take a quarter. He asked them, who faces is in this quarter? They said, Caesar. And he said, Give Caesar who belong to Caesar and give God for who belong to, to God. That's why I'm saying Jesus didn't come to destroy the system. He came to change people. Change people Make a new system. If you change the system, you will keep having the same people over and over. He called us to flee insurrection. The revolution of Jesus doesn't call you to be part of this kind of insurrection. You know what Jesus told his disciples? He said... I know something is going to happen in Jerusalem, but I'm asking you to flee from what will be happening, the insurrection that will be happening in Jerusalem. Let me see if I will... Uh, it, Matthew 24, 15 to 26. Chapter 24, verse 15 to 26, that's where he asked them to flee from those who are trying 
to do insurrection. Jesus was different from earthly revolutionaries. Now, at the springtime, they arrested two people. There was one, Barnabas. Barnabas was a person who was a revolutionary who didn't like the Roman Empire. He was burning houses. He was killing people. Hijacking and doing all kinds of bad things. Because he didn't like the Roman Empire. And at springtime, they arrested two people. They arrested Barnabas and they arrested G. Jesus. And both of them, they brought them in front of Pilate. They want to ask the people. We have two people who are doing two revolutionaries. Barnabas was a revolutionary, killing and intimidating people. Barabbas and Jesus. Barabbas was violent. There were two people in front of Pilate. Barabbas and Jesus. Barabbas was violent. Jesus was peaceful. Barabbas was corrupt. Barabbas wasn't firing. He was firing to change the system. Even if he was supposed to take out the Roman Empire, the system he will bring also will be a corrupt system. Jesus was pure. Barabbas wanted to change the system. Jesus came to change people. He wanted to overthrow the government. Jesus, he came to make things right. When I'm talking about Barabbas, I was reading one book here. Maybe I can read this here. This is, uh, I read this in a Tom Skinner book, Word of Revolution. And he said about Jesus and Barabbas. The people said we will not have that man rule. Over us. That man means G, Jesus. Now your question is, now why in the world would they want Barabbas? Imagine when Jesus was put in front and they put Barabbas in front. They didn't remember that Barabbas is a person who is killing them and burning the house and trying to overthrow the government and to change the system. And they put two people there, Jesus and Barabbas. Barabbas is a guy who was going to destroy the system. Barabbas was going to burn them out. Barabbas was going to kill them. What will you want? They want Barabbas. It is very simple. 
Why will you want, they want Barabbas? It is very simple. If you let Barabbas go, and he starts another disturbance or another riot, you can always call out the National Guard, the federal troops, or the Marine to put his things down. All we have to do is to push a few tanks into his neighborhood and you can squash whatever he's up to. You can find out where he's keeping his guns and raid his apartment. You can always stop Barabbas. But the question is, how do you stop Jesus who don't have a gun, who don't have a tongue, who is not killing people? How do you stop a man who has no guns, no tanks, no ammunition, but still shaking the, the world of Roman Empire? How do you stop a man without firing a shot? Is getting revolutionary results. They figure out there is only one answer. Get rid of him. They made the same mistake people have made down through the history of man. They thought you could get rid of an idea, but getting rid of a man from the idea comes. So they said, we can get rid of Jesus. We don't want him. We don't want him to rule over us. That's our society. That's why they said we need Barabbas. And that's why Jesus was crucified. Jesus calls us to commit to a commitment, love and self-sacrifice. Pastor Jim, would you read this for me, please? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That is Jesus' revolution. If you want to be part of me, if you want to be part of my kingdom, if you want to be part of my revolution, hold your cross and follow me. In Africa, when they are going to bury somebody, if you see the, the car carrying a cross, always on front. You will see everybody on the street, nobody is moving like skeletons. They want to give respect for somebody, the vehicle that is holding cross. It means there is danger. When you are in Jesus' revolution, you are holding your cross. People will be afraid. They will do whatever it takes to get rid of you. I'm sorry to say this. One time I have a friend here at the church. He called me, he told me, Pastor Justin, you know this country? This is America. This is white people country. Can you stop pushing things around? Things you can pray and wait? And things will work out itself by time. You will make people to dislike you. People will uh, 
be seeing you like a person they don't want to cooperate with. And I said, I'm not here to be liked. I'm not here so people can like me. I'm not here to create friendship. I'm here to create a family of God. And whatever God called us to do, we will do it. Because there are people who are used with the time to run the clock. And I'm not one of those leaders who will run the clock and to let the time pass by. And I will tell you, you can pray and God will do things. We are called to do action. We are called for those people, whoever who want to be my disciple, to deny themselves, to deny yourself, to do not see your personal interest or to want people to like you or to promote your agenda. You need to be standing up to promote Jesus and God's kingdom. Jesus demanded all. If you want to be an advocate, somebody who will stand up for what is right, somebody who will be there for those who don't have voice, Jesus demands all. Be an advocate for us. We need to be a true follower of Jesus. Now, you just tell us we need to be follower of Jesus. What Christian need to do when injustice occur? I have been seen, like I said, many don't like problems. I don't want people to see me what I'm saying, I want to be nice. And I will go on my knees in my room and I will pray and things will work out itself. In the mix of the suffering of Joseph and John, God was with them. We must speak first. We must speak. I just say that. What should Christian do when injustice occur? I did talk about three injustices toward Joseph, and we are going to talk three things as Christian we can do. There are many things in the Bible, but that's what God gave me. First, we must speak for those who can speak for themselves. We are called to speak for those who can speak for themselves. We're still in this world. When we meet ICF in the evening, I always tell the congregation that we are not in heaven yet. We are in this world. We are going to learn together how we will behave in this world before we go to heaven. And for that, Pastor Jim, can you read this, please? Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. We are called as a church, corporally, together, 
We are a family. When we stand up here in the morning, we say we are a family. This is Bethel Christian Fellowship, where a stranger becomes friend and a friend become family. We must, what affects one of us, it affects us all. We must defend the right of the poor and the needy. I will give you an example. My friend uh, Mupenda, he came here with his ten children. It's not easy to have a house for 12 people. They were put in a house and the landlord promised that put them there, I will come clean and I will come to fix things. One year passed by, he never showed up. The water was leaking from the up to the upper room. The children are smelling the moist. I went to them, I sent them an email. It was on February 2019. The whole year, they never, never come to fix giving false promises. Themselves, when they sue the house, is like inevitable. Themselves, they start cleaning the the house. The basement was like a storage for maybe 10, 20 people who was living in that house. They never moved that mess in the basement. They need a place where they can wash clothes, but they worked hard themselves. We support them to make sure the basement is, is clean. Not only that, the house we was overtake by rats. We called the landlord to come to fix the house. He never do so. Multiple times and he's paying rent. Poor people. They are being charged more for less. He was paying 1750 for a house occupied by trillion of rats. Rats running around. The house leaking all over and the landlord never. And who will speak for them? That's our responsibility. We need to be a voice for them. I write a letter in November. I talked to Pastor Ben. Pastor Ben was already moving. And the house, he's going to Mexico. He said our house, we are giving it to a company. I went to Ben. He said, I feel your pain. That's my family. Ben went there. He saw you can't, all the clothes of the children were eaten every single day with rats. They are going to school with backpack full of holes. All their books have been eaten by rats day and night. I wrote a letter. We are moving out this house. The Lord will say, you need the right, you need, if you break the list, you will get pay, penalized. He didn't remember that they had been there for over a year. He never fixed no single repair. He never sent people even to kill one mice. He never do nothing, but he's pocketing 1750 plus they will pay all the bill. Poor black people paying more for less. 
they were able, Pastor Ben was able to accept. They moved because they couldn't stand. Children can't sleep. They are sleeping. Rats are jumping on top of them all over the house. When I will go visit them, I will feel rats going under my knees and legs. And I said, you guys can't sleep in this home. I know. You know what he did? We left and he hauled their deposit. He hauled their money. He never gave you no one repair. But the advocacy is still going on. I'm praying God to give me a, a, a lawyer. He misused them for one year. He never do no one repair. And he took their money. That's where church we must stand up to be a voice for those who don't have voice. Yes, we will sing hallelujah in heaven. Yes, we will walk on gold and diamond. What is our action today with our brother and sisters? We are called for a different revolutionary to change mind, not to change the system. For he will deliver the needy to cry out, the afflicted who have no one help. Many people don't have help, but we know our help is in the Lord. Amen? Second, we must stand up for justice. We must, that's what we are called, we must stand up for justice. The Bible said, follow justice and justice alone so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. God gave Bethel Kiss and Fellowship a vision and a revolution. We weren't here. We were in Africa. They told you, get ready, company is coming. They told you, extend your tent, company is coming. I weren't there. God who gave that vision to the church will redeem. I thank God for men and women in this church. They have a heart and a calling for the kingdom of God. I have been seeing, I will call them somebody or one family, they are having this problem and situation and they will rise up for God's kingdom. That's what we are called to do. A different revolution. Do not prevent justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Sometimes you can see people who doesn't know how to speak English or how to do. Imagine. I went to, I have many family, I go to their conferences at school for the conference meeting. And I will see the teachers, some are trying to show me those children who doesn't know English like they are dumb. Imagine a child who grew up in the camp, never go to Sunday, never go to Sunday school, never go to preschool, never go to kindergarten. Now that child will parachute here in America, they will ask him or her, what is your age? She will say, I'm 14. And they will say, okay, we are 14, now you can go in 8th grade. They will put that girl or boy in the same class like your son. 
your son who has been learning from preschool, kindergarten to eighth grade, because only he is 14, they are going to put them in the same class. And the teacher, when they will ask that boy and girl, can you do this small math the child can't be able to do, they will start labeling them, you have ADD. They will start testing them to death. They will start administering them medicine that they are sick because their brain is not working. They don't understand that person. Their first place to sit in a proper class is here in America. What your son and daughter have been learning for 10 years, my son and daughter is going to start learning it now. And you are going to put them in the same class. And tomorrow you will tell me, my son and your son, they are equal. I don't buy that. We need to rise up to treat people fairly. We need to treat people fairly. And to be an advocate to those families, how many schools our children have been seeing all immigrant children have ADD? Do you know ADD is a heavy deficiency? They can't think correctly. They are sick. They don't understand that those children, they are trying now to adapt to the culture, to adapt to the teaching, everything at the same time as you. And we need to stand up and to be a voice for them. We are called for that. That's why the church is here to do that. Not only to preach to go to heaven. Before we go to heaven, show me how you treat me fairly while we're still here on the earth. Three, we must cry out for the oppressed. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of fatherless. Plead the case of the widowed. We have many women who came in this country with children without husbands. Their husbands or relatives have been killed during the war. And they are here alone to try to make things work right. Maybe they will forget one day to fill out Rams County paperwork, paperwork and their stamp, food stamp will be cut. They will be in the house, no food. I have seen them, one here, one there. I will visit them, will see the fridge is empty. What happened? They cut our food stamp. Why we forget to fill out the, pay? the paperwork? And you will see the same people. Who get millions to do not farm? Who get millions? Who get welfare to do not farm? They will be standing up to criticize them. They are lazy because they are giving them $100 to buy food. We must understand. And the church, we must know how my neighbor is doing. How the one I worship with, I see him, her worshiping in the morning. Are you okay? Is your responsibility. That's the work of the church. Do not oppress the widowed or the fatherless. The foreigner or the poor. Today, the foreigner is a bad slogan. 
And some are standing up for that. The church can't stand up for that. You was a foreigner. One time you was a foreigner. Maybe your father or your mother, your grandfather, when they came from Europe or from another country, you was a foreigner. The government provided everything for you. You get lower money interest. You go to the machine to build and to do whatever. But people are coming with one suitcase, 10 people, with nothing. And tomorrow they will be labeled, they are lazy. They need poor people. They are told, stand up on your feet with nothing. Stand up, can you stand up on your feet with nothing? It's our responsibility to do that. And for that, by saying that we need to take a revolution because change is coming. You sleeping in the old order or not, Jesus is changing his church. Jesus is changing America. Jesus never stand up for America. Jesus never stand up for Africa. Never stand up for Australia or Canada. Jesus stood up for his kingdom. And those who belong, who belong to Jesus must stood up for Jesus' kingdom. Whatever affects one of us, affects us all. The time of us and them is gone. We belong to one family. It is time for all to fight injustice. Injustice is not for one person. I was in Cap Food. I saw one young lady. She saw a Somalian lady covering the faith and this. She was online to TCF Bank. And that lady, she came, she looked at her. She pushed her aside. She went on her in front of her. And I talked to her. I said, Mom, what you are doing is not right. You came, she was online. Why can you push her around and start cursing her around? And she said, this is my country. I told her, yes, this is your country. You forget it's our country. We belong here. We are not going nowhere. <laughs> one time, one time, Bridget, my daughter-in-law, she came home. She's a nursing assistant. She's helping in nursing home, cleaning an elderly her giving her food. When she's well cleaned, she will tell her, who are you? Go back to your country. Bridget came home crying. And when she told me, I told her, no, when you go back there, do your work correctly. Feed her well. Clean her well. And tell her that I'm not going nowhere. Yes, we pray, but it is time to pray and act. It is time to pray for people who are in need, who are suffering, who are oppressed, but also we need to take a stand to act. Jesus didn't pray only, he prayed and acted. He was seen stranger within his community, but he stood up for what he believed. It is time to show mercy, kindness, and compassion. This this is a call all of us we can do. And now I'm going to give you Jesus' calling and Jesus' definition. I'm closing with this. Do not be distracted when the opportunity arises. All of us who have an opportunity to serve, 
In Matthew 10, 35-44, the sons of Zebedee, John and Mike, they said, can you put one of us in the right and another one in the left? Means they want to show those who are well connected are them who can be closer to you. They want to show that because we are disciples, but Jesus gave a different definition. And he said in 44 to say, if you want to be number one, if you want to be a star, if you want to be seen like the best one, you must serve others. You must be a servant. And that's what the choir can come. That's what Jesus is calling us for. Everyone here can be a star. Everyone here can be a number one. Everyone here can sit at the right hand of God and left hand of God. But there is a cost. And that cost, it was a definition of number one. Jesus changed the definition. He said, if you want to be number one, you must be a servant of all. Not only a servant, you must be a a slave. It means we are called to a revolutionary to serve the gospel. We are called to reach for those who don't have a voice. 